All right, I'm out on my farm listening to tomorrow's dinner. Make some noise behind me. You have to excuse the uh, racket. It is Thanksgiving tomorrow, which means lots of eating. And it's a U.S. thing, so if you're outside the U.S., and I have no idea if anybody outside the U.S. will ever hear this, but uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope you have a good day, whether you stay home. One of those diehards who wants to take a ride after they eat. I may actually do that Friday, but we'll we'll get into that later. Got some racing stuff, some tidbits, a uh, little bit of interesting new wheel technology I kind of ran into up at Iceman, and a couple things I'm going to bitch and moan about. In the old hot or not, this is two things that are definitely not, in my opinion. So let's get going here. This is Short Travel Magazine. Short Travel Magazine. Interesting tidbits. Curated just for you. All right. First tidbit is going to revolve around magazines and... Anybody who's over 45, I'm going to say, grew up with magazines and lots of them. I had at one point subscribed to absolutely every single bicycle uh, or mountain bike magazine that there was. Uh, Velo News, Mountain Bike Action, Bike, Bicycling. Seems like there was even another one at one point. Right towards the end of kind of magazine's heyday, there even was a dedicated cross-country magazine that was super high quality. I mean, it was like uh, the most beautiful photography and printing. I think maybe they had a half dozen issues and then it disappeared. So basically, I have not subscribed to, well, I mean, everything quit publishing for the most part. Mountain Bike Action is still going. Uh, bicycling magazine, which is not, of course, mountain biking. That's become so generic and feel good. Look at these people who ride. Uh, I won't go into details. Not at all something I would ever want to read. Useless info in there for me. So at least mountain bike action. And that's the only one I see at my newsstand. I check it once in a while. I'll flip through it to see if there's anything good in there. And I actually subscribed for two years, no less, to Mountain Bike Action Magazine. It was only 20 bucks. They come out every single month. It's not one of those uh, 10 times a year, nine times a year, six times a year. No, it's every single month, like a regular magazine. Uh, cover price is seven bucks now. And a one year subscription is 20 bucks. So I did a two year deal. And that's probably be the last time I ever subscribed to a magazine. The main reason I did is the particular issue I picked up that kind of pushed me over the edge. Um, I realized that Zapata Espinoza is the editor again. And he was the editor in all of the 90s and even into the 2000s, if I'm not mistaken. Basically, the entire time that I actually read this thing cover to cover and look forward to it every month. He was the guy. He's got connections to all the old school racers. He was the photographer. In fact, I believe he's a photographer on the photo I have on my wall of John Tomac 
I'd have to double check that, but uh, he was, you know, a huge, huge part of mountain bike action in the 90s. And he's back. And I started seeing articles and interviews with some of the old timers. And I thought, oh, cool. It's kind of something that might be perfect for me. The particular issue was quite uh, old school and had some cross-country stuff. So I just kind of got crazy and I subscribed. Well, I got my first issue in the mail, the December 23 issue. And it's pretty thin, nothing new. It's like 80, mid-80s page count. Um, and I just thought, uh, you know, I'm going to flip through and kind of count every article or section that is a cross-country type uh, article. And believe it or not, the entire magazine, I found one third of a page mention of the Super Caliber Gen 2 way in the back, kind of like a a uh, news section. Other than that, none. Zero. It's enduro bikes. There's two huge articles on e-bikes. Enduro, enduro, downhill enduro, big travel, uh, bike parks, you know, all that stuff. So kind of bummed because... I guess I never realized it was almost, maybe this issue is particularly focused on that. I don't know. But honestly, I don't think I'm going to read a single one of these articles because I really don't care about bike parks and I really don't care about 160 mil travel bike park crusher, as they call it, or the new mega travel Yeti or any of those. I just, so I probably should have saved my 40 bucks now that I look at it. So review of my first issue on a scale of 1 to 12, 12 being the large chain ring, on a scale of 10 to 50, how about that? Nope, 10 to 52, that's now the range. Uh, I'm going to give it a 20. Crap, nothing. Don't don't waste your time, cross-country dedicated people. Now, that doesn't mean it's a bad magazine if you're into the the other stuff, but... There is no, I uh, guess, maybe the UK magazines, or might be, I used to like to read the magazines in the UK, because they seem to have focused on things completely different than the, than the US magazines. And that's still true to this day in other topics. Uh, I'll still read another magazine on uh, kind of music production and that type of thing, audio, and it's the best magazine ever. It always has been. It's from the UK, and they, they, they're very focused uh, and, and it's a great, great publication. So maybe I'll have to dig up something from the UK. So what else? The last tidbit, this is really stupid, but I'm sure you might have seen Heinz Ketchup, the little squeeze packs. Uh, people are using them supposedly, I know I just said that wrong on purpose, supposedly as an energy gel, which makes me want to throw up just thinking about hammering on a bike or during a race and then slamming a pack of ketchup in my mouth. Ah, oh, oh, I think I'm going to gag. I don't even like regular energy gels. I've tried them over the years and it's just so thick and gooey and sweet that I gave them up years and years and years ago. Uh, I actually use the uh, jelly beans, the Jelly Belly Extreme with a little caffeine in them. Uh, if I have to eat something like that, I'll just throw a handful of jelly beans in my mouth. I keep them in my pocket, loose, 
so I can just reach back there and grab them during a race. Uh, but man, that that is ridiculous. Uh, a little follow up. They actually said it's actually a crappy energy energy gel. I mean, if you're starving to death or you're bonked and you can get nothing else, maybe. But, wow, that's one of those trends. I go, you got to be kidding me. Now, it is cheap and easy to get. You could just run in any fast food restaurant. So maybe that's the idea. Free and available? I don't know. So that's it. That's, I'm not going to do much more tidbits. Magazines, still not something I'm going to recommend yet. Uh, I'll keep an eye on the next couple issues. You never know. Could have a couple great cross-country uh, articles in the next one. And then uh, maybe I'll change my mind. All right, let's do some racing news real quick. Racing news and views. All right, let's talk everybody's favorite uh, women elite racer, Pauline Ferrand Prevost, PFP. Uh, two things with her. First, if you remember last year, she dabbled. Last year, or right after the first of the year, I believe, she just switched to Ineos Grenadiers and she was riding a new bike and went from SRAM to Shimano and all that stuff. And she dabbled in cyclocross and actually had a horrible, horrible short little cyclocross uh, mini season. And the thing that stood out to me most last time uh, is that she put on a few pounds. Now, a few pounds to her is still probably. 20 pounds less than a normal person so you have to take that with a uh, grain of salt but she was a little little heavier which would make sense you know off season all that stuff well she just did a race with her boyfriend who is uh, on actually it's kind of funny he's on the competing main competitor to her team uh, on the road of course uh, Yumbo Visma uh, so they did a race, and I couldn't tell, and I didn't really look that into it, if it was like a uh, two-person race, like a Cape Epic. Kind of made it sound like they were racing together, meaning, hus- you know, not husband-wife, but uh, male-female partners. But anyway, they won. Both of them won, so it doesn't really matter if they were as a team or not. Um, but she's... Now, maybe it was a weird camera angles or something but she looked probably the heaviest I've seen her look if you remember she gets like ridiculously skinny before her main goals like world championships or the Olympics and things like that I mean she'll get noticeably very skinny but man she's back to being a little a little healthier looking in my opinion she looks a little more normal um, so that's kind of cool and I I highly doubt she's going to do any cycle cross at all I can't really see any reason why she would do that. The uh, The World Cup starts fairly early this year. It's like two races in April, which is usually May. Two two races in April back to back, and then and then nothing for a while. So I'm guessing she just kind of trains through the spring and does not dabble and cross at all. Um, what else? She also is discussing switching full time back to the road, which. I actually found very interesting. I kind of just assumed she would never do that. 
Uh, she was done with that, and she won her, her medals and her world champs and whatnot. But I can actually see it. She's getting a little older, and she's seen the young guns who are quickly rising, and they're coming quicker and quicker every season. So maybe it wouldn't be a horrible time after the Olympics. I'm assuming 2024, you know, she would finish on the mountain bike. But I would not be surprised at all if she went to the road team. Now, does Ineos Grenadiers, I don't think they even have a women's road team. So I don't know what she would do. Leave or join something just for the road. I don't know. Very interesting, though. Uh, what else? First fat bike race I took place in was, what, two weeks ago now. And it happened to be at the exact spot for the first time They've had a race at the Fall Color Fest, which is up in southern Wisconsin. It's the main race I've been doing for 30-something years. No, I've only missed one or two up there. And they never have fat bike races there. I'm assuming it's a Department of Land Management, something or other, you know, government uh, property. So I'm assuming they wouldn't let them, but they did this time. And uh, it was one week after... Iceman, where I actually felt like I was in pretty good shape. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I came home Saturday night, did not touch a bicycle until I got it out of my car a week later for this particular race. Now, I also, not only had I not ridden in the whole week, I had not ridden my fat bike in four months. I literally took it off the, the wall and threw it in the trunk of my car or the hatch of my car and took off for the race and due to some horrible logistics trying to get in to park you had to pay some uh, passes and trail fees and all this crap anyway to make a long story short I didn't even get a five minute warm-up on this bike so I by the time we parked I had to get out throw my clothes on grab the bike out, throw a water bottle in the cage, and head to the start line. So to say the first half hour of that was a shock to the system, it was, because I was already a week from touching a bike, which anybody who rides regularly know that can feel really, sometimes you can feel really good when you come back from a week. Other times it feels absolutely horrible. This was more in the horrible, and this particular trail system has got some pretty steep climbs that normally aren't really a huge part of the fat bike races that I do. Most of the courses are fairly flat, just very minor little stand up and hammer type of hills. These had some pretty pretty heavy climbs in them and I felt like absolute crap. I'd eaten wrong. I'd been sitting in the car for two and a half, almost three hours straight Everything kind of conspired to shock my system. And, you know, now you're going from full suspension 29er to rigid fat bike. I didn't even check the tire pressure. I had probably at least double the tire pressure I should have had on, an, on a rough trail. It was about 50 degrees and sunny and dry, you know, nothing at all like I kind of expect a fat bike race to be. So... Overall, it was a terrible experience. I must admit, I actually could not wait to get it over with, get in the car and get the heck out of there, which is a bummer. That's not, you know, after almost three hours of driving each direction, 
and all the money to do all that and the food and it just ugh, gave me a crap feeling. So the next race is now coming up, not this coming weekend, but the 9th. And I have not touched my bike since the last race going on two weeks. Why? I don't know. Just very, very busy this time of year. I had to do a bunch of wheel swaps on my fat bike. I got some new uh, cheaper uh, Sun Ringlet uh, wheels. I had to move tire. Anybody tried to swap a bunch of tires around with the sealant and the, getting them seated and sealed up. And then I had to swap all the cassettes. And then I had to move and install a bunch of rotors. And then I had to get my non-fat bike wheels. They have not been, didn't even have tires mounted up all year. It was just huge pain. So I spent a couple hours getting the bikes ready to go. And I have a X01 uh, SRAM Axis upgrade kit sitting here with a couple X01 cassettes ready to go. I was going to move my fat bike over to 12-speed uh, SRAM Axis just like my 29er and I just haven't got around to it so I don't know if I should waste the time doing that but I got to get on on this bike soon I cannot go two weeks and then try and pull that uh, crap like I did last week and there is an uh, event it's a seventh annual it's about an hour north of me in a little new trail system where they had a mountain bike cross-country race this summer in Chicagoland it's in Illinois and I got an email saying they're having the 7th Annual Turkey Day. It's not a race. Sounds like it's just kind of a fun ride. And they're going to have some donuts and drinks. And what else? A bunch of raffles and some type of a uh, go find a turkey in the woods and you can win prizes. Sounds kind of fun, actually, if the weather uh, holds up. It's from 9 to noon the day after, so Black Friday. So I've never done anything like that. I may actually... Do that, although I don't know, I may feel like crap after Thanksgiving, after eating all the food, and I may just chill out. So, I don't know. So I got that to look forward to. But I'm going to try in the next 10 days to kind of get my fitness back up to where I can hammer for a solid hour, hour, hour and a half again, so that I don't feel like dog crap. The next race is actually at Trek Factory Headquarters on the exact same, more or less the same, Cyclocross World Cup that they just had a month or two ago. It's one of my favorite places. Uh, you got the giant wood flyovers to ride up and down. Um, nothing too hilly or crazy, just a lot of serpentine back and forth. Kind of fun. And the, uh, the only two times I've, I've done it three times. It's been snowy, very, very cold and snowy. And at the way we're going right now, the weather has been pretty mild, so it could very well be bone dry up there. So I just want to kind of get my act together so I don't feel like crap. I actually paid up for the whole season this year. They had a deal where um, they had five races and roughly 40 apiece. For 100 and a quarter, you can get uh, do all of them. So $200 worth of races for 100 and a quarter. And then they added a sixth race. In Chicago, actually the south side of Chicago, which I have no idea if I'm going to go. And they didn't uh, try and get any more money out of me. So six of the races for a hundred and a quarter. I just did that way. Then uh, I, I can go to anyone I want and not feel like uh, worrying and stressing out over where, oh, should I pay early and then not go? So we're uh, off and running there. What else about 
Is that it for the racing? Yeah, that's it for the racing. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about some some gear. Changing gears. More new stuff we don't really need. All right. Main thing I want to talk about is some new wheels. I should say some new spokes, although it is wheels too. Uh, I've always kind of been a sucker for super lightweight trick wheels. I have bought many over the years and usually ended up selling them once I realized as cool as they are, they are awful expensive and just not really worth the money for somebody like me who's not going to be winning anything anyway. But it's hard to resist sometimes. That's why I have some of the lightest fat bike wheels I've ever seen sitting behind me that I just took off my fat bike because while I love knocking almost three pounds off of my bike, after getting my butt kicked at the fat bike race, I realized I do not need something this this cool. <laughs> I just should stick with the crappy, uh, that's not true, they're not crappy, regular standard aluminum uh, fat bike wheels, and if they're three pounds heavier, so what? It ain't going to matter anyway. So that's where I stand with wheels. Now, I had bird spokes put on those wheels because they are probably the lightest, not probably, but I believe they are the lightest spoked uh, system you could get for wheels. So I did that. My whole goal was weight with those. And so that's kind of where I always, okay, if you're going to go weight, you got to go bird. So I'm up in, up in Traverse City at the Iceman, and I'm at the Expo. You got Silka up there in uh, One Up Racks and Wolf Tooth, a lot of cool brands. And then, and kind of in the hallway, a little, little uh, outside of the actual expo, you have Gulo G U L O Composites. And they caught my attention because they had some killer-looking wheels uh, on display. And I go, oh, interesting, Gulo. Uh, kind of a strange name. Um, but I got to talking to the guy because they really caught my eye. They're actually quite cool-looking wheels. So basically, they're they're pushing their spokes, okay? They're composite. They're carbon fiber spokes. And they are super light. They're 2.9 grams. And a super lightweight regular spoke is double that, so roughly six. So these things are right around bird territory, except, of course, they're not rope they're solid and they have some i'm assuming bonded uh kind of ends on them now their hub is also very interesting the end the hub end of each spoke actually uh, has threads in the the hub itself has got the threads and you screw the spoke into the hub end not the wheel end traditionally you don't stick it through the hub and then tension it up at the wheel you looks like you do it either hub and wheel or one or the other but it's kind of a crazy kind of a rat's nest looking uh, hub but it does look trick got your your carbon spokes and then your gold uh, end caps that screw in and it just makes a beautiful very high-tech industrial looking wheel so I got to talking to him and I was lifting them up in their their light but they are made uh, in the USA now, I don't think the the hub, I mean the rims themselves, I'm sure are made by 
one of these other companies in the U.S. who is supplying carbon rims. Um, the hubs are their own. And just to give you some idea, um, the weights, their cross-country wheel is a 25 uh, internal, uh, 30 external. So 25, that seems about right. 2.1 to 2.4 uh, tire size. 29, um, 6 bolt only, although they're materials show a center lock so i'm not sure but the cross-country ones are six bolt only and 24 spokes not 28 only 24 and they come in at 1304 for the grammage so pretty light i mean the lightest specialized roval wheels i believe are a little lighter 1200 and something but i mean we're talking an ounce, you know, an ounce or two total for the wheel set. So these things are very, very light, and they don't have the uh, flexi uh, spokes. Now, are there, there are advantages to, to these? Who knows? I, You know, it's impossible. Honestly, I don't think I could tell a difference between any. I can't tell that the bird spokes supposedly offer some uh, cushion. I, I can't tell at all. To me, it's all about the same. So what would make somebody want to grab these wheels well i i don't know they are made in north carolina they are beautiful the only thing that would scare me a bit is you are buying into this system forever these are not like regular dt or i9 hubs where you have a builder who uses the bird spokes now bird to use bird spokes on regular hubs, I believe somebody has to take a little Dremel tool and kind of round off the edges of these spoke holes so they don't kind of grind away on the bird fabric of the spokes. But I, and I never asked, I wondered if you could build, if that, you know what, now that I think about it, that might permanently make those only bird hubs. I don't think you could throw regular spokes in them after that either. Although maybe you can. It seems like grinding away anything on a hub and then trying, I don't know. But anyway, you were really stuck because nobody makes spokes aside from uh, Gulo. So you are definitely in the proprietary world with these wheels, which, you know, is kind of a bummer. These guys have not been around that long and nobody quite knows them. Uh, could they be here in a year or two if you bust a couple spokes? I don't know. I'm, I'm, sure they give you probably give you a couple spokes when you buy the wheels but just the same it's not like you could just uh take it to a typical wheel builder and go here here uh fix these for me uh cost 2360 for a wheel set that's that's actually several hundred higher than a bird wheel with uh i9 hubs and american made carbon rims i believe so there is a Black Friday sale, which brings them down to sixteen fifty-two. Now that's temporary; that's only for a few days. That is actually not horrible. Um, that's actually kind of where you know maybe they should be. But anyway, so that's that's my gear thing. I, I got me thinking about how expensive these new lightweight wheels are. The last couple years, they haven't come down a whole lot. You're still looking at at least two two grand for a top of the line set 
uh, the, you know, the Bontragers and the Specialized and the Reserves are all amazingly light. Probably, you know, I've never had a problem with, I have some DT Swiss carbon wheels. I believe they're 15, 1450 to 1500 grams. They're more Enduro wheels. They're, they're getting up there now. They're from probably 2017, 2018, the XMC 1200. Uh, is that what it is? XMC? XRC? I don't know. No, no, no. I think the R's are the cross-country ones. These are the M's. Uh, I can't tell any difference between them and my aluminum DT wheels, which are 17, 1800 grams. Can't tell at all. So there you go. That's just me. Uh, maybe I wasn't, maybe I don't pay attention. So Gulo, I want to, uh, hope, oh, I want to support them and hope that they do well. Cause it's, I love these little companies who are trying something different. So if you're bored and want to check them out, go to G-U-L-O Composites, GuloComposites.com. Because if I don't think you've probably seen these, and they are very cool looking. So if you can handle proprietariness, $16.52 is not a bad price for what you get. I guarantee you nobody else will have these wheels when you show up for your next ride. Uh, so let's let's do some quick old school. Let's talk about the old school. All right. Old, old, old. Um, two things that came to my mind last week. The first memory I have, and see if you can do this yourself. What is your first memory, your first mountain bike memory? Um, I have two. One of them is my first race, of course. It was... Everybody, hopefully, you remember your first cross-country race. Mine was in 91, right after I got my actual first mountain bike. It was a Raleigh. Yes, Raleigh made mountain bikes. There's something cool about it. I don't remember if the front half was aluminum and the rear end was carbon, or if it was front half was steel and the rear was aluminum. There was two different materials used in the rear triangle and the front triangle, and they were bonded together. And I'll never forget, uh, you could just sit there and look at the back wheel. The things were bonded crooked, so the rear wheel was crooked, pointing uh, more to one side than the other. Never forget that. It's a wonder the thing even worked, even shifted, but we were talking seven speed back then, uh, so lots of room for error. Anyway, that's my first memory, is getting my, my Raleigh, uh, hardtail and first race but the coolest thing I had a flash I hadn't even thought about this in 25 years but there was a place outside in the western suburbs here in Chicago like a um, convention center if you will it was a resort with like a small convention hall where they would do flower shows or uh, you know camping shows or home shows with the building companies and they had a bicycle show a chicagoland bicycle show open to the public now i don't know this was so pre-internet i don't know how exactly i even found out about this uh, i don't believe they maybe in the newspaper or in the radio i don't know but i was brand new i'd only had a mountain bike uh, a month or two 
I don't even remember if this was before the race. This might even, I'm pretty sure this was before the first race. And I just went up there because I saw somewhere that specialized. Now, I knew it just enough. I'd already read a few mountain bike action magazines to realize that Specialized was a big player in 91 in the mountain bike world. And they were listed as a vendor. So I went there and Ned Overend and Sarah Ballantyne were working the booth. Basically, they were the booth. So Specialized sent them to, I don't even remember a Specialized rep, sent Ned and Sarah Ballantyne to St. Charles and they had their bikes and a booth and I talked to him for a little while, having just kind of figured out who they were by reading the Mountain Bike Action magazines. So that was actually my first kind of experience. And I remember thinking, wow, after I realized, you know, another couple months later, that uh, these, these were the coolest of the cool. And they were in St. Charles in Illinois. I'm sure they probably don't even remember that. But that was my first actual memory of meeting some mountain bike royalty, if you will. Um, that summer, I believe that would have been like March, April. Uh, the summer uh, of 91 is my second race. I believe it was June. Traverse City, Michigan, right where I just came back from. Um, it was a World Cup. I didn't even know what the World Cup was. But back then, World Cup weekends had amateur races. So I believe it was a Saturday the amateurs raced. Uh, and then Sunday the pros raced. So I went up there for the whole weekend. Brought my cousin Mike with me. Might have been his first race. It was, I know it was my second. Um, but it was about 110 degrees out. And I found a video, just came up in my feed on YouTube, and it was from that particular race. I thought, oh my gosh, I got to watch it. It was an old, I think it was Eurosport, or maybe it was ESPN, they were showing them. But I had forgotten how brutal, brutal it was with the heat and the sand. That part of Michigan is like all sand. So it's double bad when you're 100 degrees. But there's a couple... I think Ned even didn't finish, if I recall. Pretty sure he didn't even uh, finish that race. He he bailed. But there's a scene where Julie Furtado, okay, at the time, probably the top woman racer in the world at that time, she's riding up a hill, and the cameraman is like literally, she's going so slow, he's walking alongside her with the camera right in her face. I mean, she's two feet from the camera. And she's yelling. Now, this is something you just wouldn't see nowadays. She's literally yelling, water, water, get me water. I have no idea if anybody actually got her any water, why she didn't have enough with her. But now that's something you just don't see. As a professional mountain biker yelling, not even to the camera guys, he was just yelling to anybody within earshot to get her some more water. That's how bad it was. So that was kind of funny. A uh, bunch of things about that race. There was a there was a water jump, pretty like a man-made ditch with a big pond, with uh, and you had to jump over. You could go around it. It's quite a bit of ways around, but I remember watching deep in the woods. Um, I, I rode up there to watch them, the pros jump it, and it just looked so effortless and it looked terrifying when you're standing there. It looked like it was about a hundred feet wide. I'm sure it was only. 
eight to ten feet or something of but you know still that's very cool uh, to watch that video so I'm glad somebody still has these videos and they're putting them on there it's I know if you're younger these old old videos are probably stupid looking but I don't know give them a watch once in a while and just kind of you'll be amazed at two things how far things have come of course you know in the evolution of of mountain bikes and cross-country racing, and also how much it's exactly the same. Same people, types of people out there just killing themselves to get, you know, around this track as fast as they can. Competition, crashing, climbing, it's all basically the same. So that's kind of cool. Um, I'm going to save this other old-school tidbit for next time because it's pretty funny. Um, let's do... I'll do one hot or not. I got two, but I'll save one for next time. Let's get some hot or not, and then we'll wrap it up. Hot and not so hot. All right, I haven't done this one in a while. This is a not. This is a huge not to me. It's so annoying. And it's appropriate because it is Black Friday coming up in two days. And then Christmas and all that. Those. Here's what it is. Here's what I consider a huge not, and I wish they would stop doing this, is these gifts for cyclists uh, posts that they keep putting on things. Gifts for, you know, it it's bizarre. They'll make a list. Here's things that you can get a cyclist, and it'd be a $250 uh, Rafa jacket or a $180 helmet or a new transmission uh, new tires. It's just like, wait, wait a minute. Uh, maybe I'm in the minority, but nobody in my immediate family would have a freaking clue what to buy me for my, my bicycling habit. All right. So what it basically means is I have to tell them, here's what I'd like. I would like some new wheels. I would like uh, some $80 wolf tooth uh, pedals or a new dropper seat. I mean, that's not gift buying. Okay, nobody's going to guess what to buy you. You have to tell them exactly, specifically, down to the nth degree, what it is to buy. In that case, then that's not really a gift. There's no way anybody could really buy me anything for, for mountain biking uh, that would count as a gift. When they go to a store, first of all, there's no stores left around here. Go to a bike shop, what on earth could they possibly get? So I see these articles, I just crack up. I immediately pass them by, and there's tons of them. Some of these sites, like Cycling News or, you know, Velo News or somebody, they'll they'll have ten articles on there at a time. Great gifts for cyclists, gifts for under a hundred dollars, gifts for the new. I'm sure they are making money off of affiliate links on this stuff, but please, I just. Just somebody just quit writing these articles. It's just stupid. Nobody is going to use those. Nobody would know what to get anybody else unless you tell them, in which case you might as well just buy it yourself. Uh, that's where I stand. If I need something, I just buy it. Come Christmas time, there's nothing really, anything left. Now, one time, my daughter, a couple years ago, actually bought me a... Uh, multi-tools, like a little bike set. It had a tire levers, patch kit, and it's kind of a generic multi-tool in it. And I actually, that 
that was really cool because, like I said, I don't usually get anything bike-related at all as a gift. Uh, so it was really cool, and I love it, and I still use it. I use it in my basement, or in, uh, I use the tire levers in the garage. So it, that type of thing I get. A T-shirt. Hey, look at I found a cool bike shirt. Okay, that's great. But uh, great gifts to get a cyclist, you know, $300 Wahoo computer or uh, a, a new saddle. Uh, stop it. All right, I'm done complaining. That's it. Let's wrap it up. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving. And if you go for a ride, make sure you go for an extra hard one on Friday. And we'll talk next week. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you ever so much for listening to Short Travel Magazine. 